0: We are reading from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 14. At the end of the reading I'll say this is the word of the Lord and I invite you to say thanks be to God in response. It says this. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, They have received their reward. But when you pray, go pray into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be to God. You may have a seat. Let's pray. Lord. want to take a few seconds to get into the right perspective that right now in this moment we are praying to our Father. Hallowed. Powerful. Mighty. Omniscient. Lord, we trust that right now in this moment Through your word, you have a word for us. A tender. Perhaps a corrective. Perhaps an encouraging word. You have a word, Lord. And God, we just confess, we are children, your children, in need of you. We rest your hands. I pray, Lord, that you would use this time in only the ways that you can, by your Spirit, through the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, to seek. So we give this time to you and we love you. In your name we pray. Amen. This morning, as we continue our Jesus Changes Everything series, we're going to be talking about one of the implications. Today we are Transitioning from the last three weeks, we have talked about how Jesus changes everyone. We've talked about how because we believe that if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation, the old has gone, behold, the new has come, that all are welcome to Jesus, all are empowered by Jesus all are growing in Jesus we want to be a people who live with those convictions but also does that only happen like in sacred spaces does that only apply to like church services and and like big events or do we believe that Jesus can change everything everywhere do we believe that because Jesus changes everything for everyone. Nobody is a lost cause, but also everywhere, nowhere is off limits. Because Jesus changes everything, nobody is a lost cause, nowhere is off limits. Last week, we talked about Jesus and his great commission to his people. All who are saved by Jesus are sent people. We are sent people. To go and proclaim the good news. To make disciples. And perhaps there was a bit of a tension or a question in you, as it was in me, of how do I go? What does it mean for me to go go with Christ? What does it mean for me to share the good news that Jesus changes everything? How do I do that? And this morning, I think, in a perfect next step... For us, as we think about what it means to be a people that are going, a people that are living in our call to be sent and our call that we are empowered, the first thing that I think we should remember when we think about this call is not necessarily something that you must go do, because remember you don't change everything remember logan doesn't change everything i don't have that power thanks be to god jesus changes everything so why would our not our first response not be everywhere we pray in jesus everywhere we go everywhere we 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 have it we develop a habit of praying in jesus that's what i want to talk about today and as you think about that as you reflect on that that reminds me of this passage in first thessalonians 5 that says rejoice always this is a command it's an imperative pray without ceasing give thanks in all sec- all circumstances for this is the will of god in Christ Jesus for you we are commanded by the Lord to have lives where we are living in a habit of continual ongoing prayer now what does that mean does that mean like we just walk around all the time just everywhere we go just constantly praying all the time is that what that means possibly that might be kind of weird I think it has to do with having an awareness to God's presence, an awareness to who he is, and a connection in that personal relationship with him. And I don't know about you, but as I think about my prayer life, as I think about my circumstances, oftentimes when I think about or engage with prayer, there's some questions that I have honestly some doubts that I have is this really gonna make a difference do I really should I really take the time to, to pray right now it might be more effective if I just go and do it Just justice I started this new book where uh, it's called 40 Prayers for My Wife and every day I read a prayer for my wife, it's wonderful. The other day I was reading through this prayer and I, um, as I was reading it, I was like, this is really good. I really hope that like she gets this. Do <laughs> so you know what I did? Instead of praying to the Father to say, God, would you do this in her, I sent her the prayer. (laughs) Just in case she needed a little bit of help, right? (laughs) Just in case she needed to know that on that day I was praying for uh, uh, headaches, that she wouldn't have a headache that day. And and as, as silly as that may sound, I think for many of us, when we think about praying, is this the first response that you and I have when our marriage is falling apart? Is this the first response that you and I have when we're struggling with a, with a deep hurt that we've had in our life? A deep hurt that somebody has, 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 has done to us or we have done to someone. Is this our first response when there's a habit in our life that is wrecking us and tearing us apart? An addiction. Is this the first response we have when there's this hang-up in our life that is causing us to lose sight of the things that matter and the important things? Is prayer the foundational piece To the ways of God's people. I think for many of us, if we're honest, we say it should be. But if I look at my life and I think about my thought life, we got some learning and some growing to do, amen? In this passage that we're looking at, Jesus is talking to his disciples and He's telling them how to pray, and that's really the question I wanna get after today. How do I pray? How do I pray? And in this passage, one of the first things he talks about before getting into the the, the Lord's Prayer, which probably most of us here have memorized or at least are familiar with, he makes sure that the first thing he wants his disciples to know when you pray is that when you pray, you should be praying to an audience of one. Now, this can be challenging. Our flesh may oftentimes think, like for example, sometimes I might have the habit when I'm up here on stage to pray to an audience of all of you. Sometimes when we're sitting in our community group when we're praying with somebody else, we're kind of thinking about what, how can I pray to, you know, to really impress or what kind of words can I use to really encourage as opposed to Christ our Lord is telling us when we pray, we are praying the to, the tone, and the truth of this prayer is so important. You are praying to, hear this, your heavenly Father. That is the, that is the address of our prayers. The Lord Jesus wants you and I, when we pray, to have the address, the, the person we are praying to be God the Father, not people in the room. There's something beautiful that happens when we are praying to God the Father, and there's others in the room that are joining in that, and that's why we use that beautiful word, amen. That's why we even see in the Lord's Prayer, we have the word, our Father. So there is a communal peace to this, but you're not praying to them. You're praying to your Heavenly Father. In the prayer, it says, our Father in heaven... Hallowed be your name. This is important. Just these words, I can probably spend whole sermons talking about them. First, the word our. This is communal, it's meant to be something that unites us. It's not just communal, it's familial, it's a family language. Our Father, you are not just my friends in Christ, you, if you are a believer, we are brothers and sisters in Christ because we have the same Heavenly Father, amen? And when it says in heaven, it's interesting here, uh, the, the language there in the, in the original language is more of in the Heavens. And when we read this, we incorrectly think this is talking about our Father in heaven way far away, who's kind of like watching us and being like, I hope they get that figured out down there. And that's actually not what it's meant to be. It's meant to be he's in the heavens. He's he's all around us. He's everywhere. He's he's on earth as it is in heaven. So when we say our father in heaven, it's a declaration that he is in the heavens everywhere. Then we say, hallowed be your name. This is also really important. Hallowed, this is like reverence, awe. There's this incredible, unreasonable paradox to the fact that finite humans get to pray to the infinite, transcendent God. And we miss this sometimes. I focus so much on praying to God. And I miss the fact that he is the all-powerful one, the one that spoke everything into creation. And I think sometimes we need to, when we pray, we need to just Pause and think about the significance of what we're doing. Not in a far off, in a like I'm overwhelmed that the God of the universe, the one that I believe in my confession has created everything, has called me into relationship with him and I get to go to my father. Dallas Willard, in his book, The Divine Conspiracy, he, he talks about this, this relationship. This is, this is like, like a child who is like, like, this child believes their daddy is literally the best. You ever had these conversations in the schoolyard? Like, whose dad's the best? And it's like, there's this awe and reverence and this love and appreciation for how incredible and, and like superhero like superhero-like my father is. And we're praying this. We're saying, our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. There's this reverence and this relationship. And, and, and we, you and I, if you are a Christian, if you have confessed your faith in Jesus, you pray to that heavenly father. We pray together in this. And one of the things that One of the mistakes I think oftentimes we make is I pray, when I'm praying to the Heavenly Father, it starts off with just a list of things that I need. Our Father, and I start saying, okay, God, could you just give me a good day today? Or could you really just help me not to scream at my kids today? Or could you just really help me, you know, whatever this may be. And sometimes what we need to do when we're praying to God as a part of his kingdom, as we're looking, how can I be faithful to to your call in this life, is we need to stop and we need to listen. Thorn Kierkegaard, a philosopher, said this. He said, a man prayed, and at first, he thought that prayer was talking. But he became more and more quiet until he realized that prayer is listening. As you think about your prayer life, is it all talking? Or is there some listening to your Heavenly Father? The two. We we pray to the Heavenly Father. And as we pray to Heavenly Father, it's not just who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. We also pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, I could just go off, you know, kingdom of God, this is like my thing. But as we pray, your kingdom come, your will be done. We are praying... For God's reign, we believe that when we talk about the kingdom of God, when we talk about the reign of God's kingdom, it's not about a place. It's about a person. As Christians, our confession, when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done, we're saying, Jesus has changed everything. He is the king of the kingdom. And where does he reign? He reigns in the realm of our heart. And so when we declare your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven, we're declaring this already not yet truth that God is going to reign in our hearts through his spirit. And it's going to continue to do something because the king is the king of transformation. He's the king of changing us more into his likeness. Richard Foster says this, he says, to pray is to change. Prayer is the central avenue God uses to transform us. If we are unwilling to change, we will abandon prayer as a noticeable characteristic of our lives. The closer we come to the heartbeat of God, the more we see our need and the more we desire to be conformed to Christ. To pray is the change. As you think about the question, how do I pray? I would encourage you to start with the two. But in this prayer, Christ our Lord doesn't tell us, doesn't stop there, he also wants to be sure that we know the tone of our, of our prayers. And the tone is this, the tone is we are needy children. Turn to the person next to you and say, I need, Jesus. I need Jesus. Turn to the other person next to you and say, you need Jesus. You need Jesus. Amen. Yeah, even that person. I can't believe it. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to hear this, especially in our Western society that is so much about ambition, that is so much about success, That is so much about building a life And the American dream Or me, I'm like, an, if you're into the Enneagrams I'm on Enneagram 3, I love to achieve I love to accomplish, I love to go and take that next hill The tone Of God's people Is a tone of honesty A tone of humility And a tone of utter dependence Look at what it says here. It says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. As we're talking to our Father, as we're talking to our Heavenly Father, there should be something that happens where my sin and my my mistakes and and the evil in my life is kind of comes to the front and my first response is, Lord, would you just forgive these as we have forgiven our debtors. Now, it can be easy to read this and flip-flop this. We read this and we say, as long as I'm forgiving everybody around me, God's going to forgive me. That's not what this prayer is saying. This prayer is not saying if you're not forgiving people around you, you should be concerned about the assurance of your salvation. It is saying the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the grace of our Heavenly Father who has forgiven us, causes us to forgive others. There's like no other response than to forgive others. And the more that we embrace this posture, this tone of needy children from our Father, in need of his grace, the more that we'll see his kingdom come and reigning in us. Dallas Willard said this, he said, today even, many Christians read and say, forgive us our trespasses, or give as, give me a break. (laughs) In the typically late 20th century manner, this saves what? The ego. And it's egotism. I am not a sinner. I just need a break. But no, I need more than a break. I need pity because of who I am. If my pride is untouched, when I pray for forgiveness, I have not prayed for forgiveness. I didn't even understand it. If my pride is untouched when I pray for forgiveness, I haven't even prayed for forgiveness. I haven't even understood. Do you understand? There's something about the position and the posture that is incredibly important, that we are a people of repentance. Every week, oftentimes for our prayer time, we have a time of repentance, of turning from sin, of confessing our sins to God. This should be a regular part of God's people's prayer life. And it's not just confessing sin, repenting from sin, asking the Lord to forgive us as we have forgiven. It also has to do with our challenges and our struggles. We also see it say, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In this prayer, we're, we're praying to the Father as we think about what it means to go in his grace, to live in his grace. We're saying, Lord, I just recognize that you're the one leading me and I still have very real struggles or in Celebrate Recovery, we say, hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Those are very real in my life and all of you, if you are being honest, you have something. And I'm praying, Lord, would you lead me not into temptation? Would you help me not to go to that website on my phone? Would you help me not to, to, to fall into that, that, that sin of gossip and slander? Would you help me not to enter in to, to this, this toxic behavior that I'm living in? Lord, by your power, you are the higher power. I am not. Would you do something? And also, would you deliver us from evil? Would you keep the evil? Would you hold back the things that are trying to attack me? You, Jesus, you are the king. You are the one. And it's this it's this dependence upon him. And I love the language here. I think sometimes we read this prayer and we don't think about the words that we're saying. We just kind of get into the, our Father who art in heaven. How, you know what I'm saying? We're not thinking about what we're actually saying. We're not thinking about the Lord Jesus gave us these words and they're for us and they're powerful. And when it says, lead us not into temptation, how does the Lord lead us? The Lord's a gentleman. The Lord leads us with grace and truth. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Psalm 23 says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He, what, leads me where? Side, still water. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of what? Righteousness for his name's sake. Remember, prayer being an awareness to God's presence. It seems to me that the more that we live in the presence of the good shepherd, aware, listening, praying to our heavenly father, the more that we find ourselves in quiet, tender places. And that's not a prosperity gospel. I'm not telling you that you will not have hard things in your life, but I am. I believe with all my heart that, that, that the children of God in those hard times find a peace and a still waters posture because of the grace of our Lord. Maybe you're thinking, I get that, Logan. do you know how many hours I work this week? Do you know the demands of my family, the demands of my job? Do you know all the things that, that the God has put on my heart? I don't have time to pray. I love what Martin Luther said. He said this. I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. That was Martin Luther. It seems to me that we need this perspective change in our lives. And and we need to recognize that there's a, we're praying to the Father. We're praying in this tone of dependence. But there's also this truth that I really want to get after. Church, when you pray, you pray in Jesus. In Jesus. I didn't say to Jesus. Jesus is telling us to pray to the Father. I said in Jesus. Right in the middle of this prayer, he says this He says, Give us this day our daily bread. Our daily bread. At other times, Jesus said what? I am the bread of life. He who eats from me will never go hungry again. As you think about this concept of daily bread, we need the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need his grace, his presence, his power, the fact that he died on a cross. He lived a perfect life, shed his righteous blood for you so that you could get his righteousness and he gets all your darkness. And he deals with it. And every day as we wake up, we live in that daily bread. Many would say that this is an illusion or a a hyperlink to to the, the Exodus story, the wilderness story, when the people had to live every day and they had to eat this thing called manna. And every day God would give it to them. And it was only day by day. They couldn't store it up for a long time. He wants his people every day to live in this dependence. And if, you're, if you have kids, you get this. Kids, they don't worry about what's for dinner tomorrow. They don't worry about, about, about what's happening tomorrow. They just trust in their parents to take care of them. And that can drive us parents a little crazy sometimes. You just expect like every day that I gotta give you another meal? Yesterday was great. I gotta do this every day? I would just encourage you as you pray. Pray to the Father in Jesus. You see, Jesus said, I am what? The way, the truth, and the life. He said, no one comes to the Father except what? Through me. And I think we, we can't get so focused on Jesus, which is great, that we miss the fact that we have a triune God, and the Father sent the Son. To die on the cross for us, for God so loved the world, the Father so loved the world, that he gave his only Son. And whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. And the Son sent the Spirit to indwell in us. And we have this beautiful relationship that's happening. And so every day, you and I, we pray. Everywhere we go, we pray to the Father. And we have a Heavenly Father who hears our prayer. And so I ask you, how do you pray? What is the posture of your prayer? It's important that for some of us, we need to think about how we pray. For some of us, maybe you're like, I just don't ever pray. And and maybe you need to start saying, you know what? I'm just going to devote five minutes a day to developing a prayer life. And I'm just going gonna, gonna to find a place where my phone's not on, where the notifications aren't going off. And maybe just for five minutes a day, I'm just going to talk to my father. And I'm not going to try to impress anybody. I'm, not gonna, I'm just going to start praying at five minutes a day. And maybe he puts it on my heart to pray for my kids or to pray for my coworkers or, or to pray for whatever this may be. Or maybe I just literally don't say anything and I just listen. Or maybe I open up his word and, I, and I, as I read his word, I pray and his spirit does something in me. And maybe that's what you need to do. Maybe you need to develop a group of people that pray together with you. But I would encourage you as you ask this question with me, how will you pray, don't forget the tone. My brother, my sister, we are hungry children. We are hungry children who are given daily bread. As you pray, pray with the faith of a hungry child who believes that the Father is going to give. As you think about that dark, challenging struggle. Don't be afraid to give that to your Father. Don't be afraid to ask Him, Lord, I feel so hopeless and helpless in this regard, but I'm going to trust. What are we saying? I rest in the Father's hands. Leave the rest in the Father's hands. Let's be a people as we think about the truth that Jesus changes everything that before we talk about the things that we're called to do and the places we're called to go, let's be sure that we are praying. Let's be sure, amen. Let's be sure that everywhere we go, we pray. Church, I can't help but imagine what the Spirit of God will do as we continue to be obedient to his leaders. I can't imagine what, the, what our heavenly father will do if our first response is prayer. I invite you, pray don't know what to do, pray. When you know what to do, pray. Cover everything as we become more and more aware of the presence of God. Would you pray with me? Lord, we need you every day. Jesus, you are our daily bread. You are our Savior. You are our King. And we believe in you, Jesus. We believe that you do change everything. We believe that anyone in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. We believe this to be true. And Lord, we pray, Heavenly Father, in this moment to you. Lord, in this moment, your people gathered here together and online, we pray to you, the almighty God, the creator of the universe, the omniscient, all-powerful, all-knowing, gracious, benevolent God. And God, we pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. O oh Lord, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in chilla as it is in heaven. Oh, give us this day our daily bread. Give us your grace upon grace upon grace. We, we eat of you. We, we, we long for more. Give us this day our daily bread. Lead us, shepherd, not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive our trespasses. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.